I'm so thankful you're here on Father's Day. There's a lot of places you could uh, be today. I want to welcome in everybody online, all our Fathom fam, all of our dads out there, all the men in the house. Uh, let's show some love to our Fathom family online. Come on, in the room. We're thankful that you're uh, tuning in right where you're at, and I'm excited to, uh, to be able to speak today. Man, I, I've been, I'm a blessed dude. I've uh, been given just uh, two incredible fathers. My dad and my father-in-law are just such godly men. I'm so thankful uh, for the example they set for me. Uh, and, and so just men, just know your example makes a difference in people's uh, lives. And so keep on keeping on walking with integrity and humility and hard work. It, it, it makes a difference. I hope you guys know how special you are, not just to your family, but to this house. We're so thankful for each one of you. If you're new uh, watching online, just type uh, new in the comments, and someone would love to reach out to you, or you can text Fathom to 97,000. If you're new in the room or online, we'd love to be able to connect with you and start a relationship. Uh, today, I want to uh, preach a message entitled, A Picture of the Father. And as we start to think through a, what a picture of the Father looks like to us, we're probably going to begin to think through uh, what our uh, father uh, example was. So maybe you had a sporty dad or a crafty dad, uh, a lazy dad or a hardworking uh, dad. Maybe you think of a present father or an absentee father. Uh, maybe you think of an angry dad or an apathetic father. Um, I, I don't know what pictures come to mind for you. Maybe it's a hipster dad. Hipsters probably wasn't a thing. Um, a hipster dad or a Hawaiian shirt wearing dad with the white socks and the flip flops like that, <laughs> that kind of dad. I don't know if your dad liked to chill in the garage or if he liked to chill in his lazy boy. I don't know what the picture of the father that comes to your mind, but I, what I do know is that the picture that we have of the father impacts our lives in incredible ways. Um, not just uh, on days like this, but every day, the picture we have of not just a father, but our father in heaven is, is a massive shift in our, our walk in this life. And so I want to spend some time helping you process what that looks like. What's, what picture of the father should we have? Because uh, there's not one of us who have had a perfect picture of our heavenly father. Not one of us. Not one of us have had a perfect picture because there's no such thing. I'm not a perfect picture of the father to my kids. I'm not. And so dads who are beating yourself up are like, oh, man, I've, I've been the angry dad. I've been uh, the absentee father. Hey, don't beat yourself up. None of us are a perfect example. But we can grow to become a better picture of our father in heaven. And so to do this, I want to go to Luke chapter 15. I love Luke chapter 15. It's such a powerful. Jesus is uh, doing a par like several parables here. And here's what I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you every day this week, the next five days, Monday through Friday, I want you to read this one chapter. I know you probably got some other things you're reading or studying. Read one chapter every single day, Luke chapter 15. You're going to hear it today, and that doesn't count. So start five tomorrow, okay? Read it five times over, because I'm guessing a lot of things are going to happen. One is you're going to be able to process this message throughout the week. You're going to be able to process this over and over again, and you're going to be able to pull something out. Maybe one day you'll write down some of the scriptures. Maybe one day you'll highlight them or underline them, and I bet you're going to see it different every single day. So don't, don't forget that. I'm not going to remind you, but uh, just hope that you can dive in there. So I, I want to tell the story. We're going to dive in here uh, at verse 19 in a few minutes, but it's about 20-something verses long, this, this text, um, known as the prodigal son, or some will call it the lost son. But I, I really today, I, 
I want to kind of retitle it, right? There wasn't titles in the original manuscript. For me, I would title it The Loving Father, not The Lost Son. I want to get you a picture of The Loving Father. In music, there was this, um, I learned, I I went to school for music business and and music theory, and and I I found out that there's these things called movements. It's similar to like in a play where there's different acts. I think in this text, there's like five different acts in the play. Uh, And so I want to talk you through four of those, but what I found with music is you can't really understand the crescendo act four unless you understand some of the other movements, some of the other acts so let me walk you through. For me, act one at the very beginning is what I would call the ask. If I was a playwright, it would be the ask in, um, for act one in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Because this son comes to his, his father, and you know his, his father's still living, doing well, and he basically says, I wish you were dead. Maybe you've said that to your father before. Uh, maybe you've said to your heavenly father, I-, I wish you didn't even exist, or I don't believe you exist. Maybe you've said some things to your dad, or maybe your mom, or your grandfather, or an uncle in your life. I wish you didn't exist. And the, the son says it, but he doesn't come out and say it like that. He actually says, I want my inheritance now. Right? And inheritance is, you know, when someone, uh, when a father, a, a mother passes away, and hopefully they leave something. I mean, parents, we'd love to leave a little something for uh, our, our kids after uh, we pass away. And, and when a child comes up to their father and says, I want my inheritance now, it's basically in this culture saying, I wish you were dead. And so this ask is act one, and it really reveals for the son the deep stuff that's going on in his heart. If you were with us last week, we talked about the gospel of selfishness. All this son cared about was himself and what he could get out of his father in this moment. And, uh, and maybe I can speak to the kids for a second. Hey, don't only think that you can just receive from your parents. You can give them. You can honor your parents, as Jackie was talking about. You can bless your, your father today. You can surprise them with a good gift or a little card that you've written for them that you can offer something to them. So that's act one. And then the son goes off and he's like, peace out. I'm leaving home. And he goes off and he lives he lives his life to the fullest, as best as he knows how. He's going and he's partying in every town, and he's like walking into every village and, and neighborhood saying, YOLO, right? And he's just going, and he's taking all his friends out to dinner, and he just blows through his inheritance pretty quickly. Come on, y'all know we would blow through. Y'all ever seen the movie Richie Rich? Right? He'd blow through that inheritance pretty quick. He had stole it, but that's another story. But he, um, he blows the money, and then he ends up with nothing left, and he ends up going back probably, I just imagine he goes back to some of those friends in his life that he had hooked them up and took, take them out to, to dinner. And then he comes to them and he's like, hey guys, um, I'm, I'm out of money. Could you guys help me out? And they're not there for him then. All those people he helped out in his party and uh, years now he's got uh, nothing left. And so he, he ends up going to a pig farmer. And he doesn't become the assistant pig farmer. He becomes the assistant to the pig farmer. And there are no free bacon samples at this pig farm. And he gets a job, and all he does is he feeds the pigs. Like, you ever seen what pigs eat? It's nasty. It's just like all the scraps from the table that have happened and and all the leftover corn. And they just throw it all in there and mix it up with mud and dirt, and pigs eat it. It's gross. And so the, the son ends up, he's getting so hungry, and he's probably processing in his mind, man, the people who work for my dad back home, they got it good, right? He used to live in his dad's house, and now he's thinking about uh, the, the people who are hired hands, who work for his dad. He's like, man, I bet they're not eating slop. I bet they've never had to worry about what they're eating, and now I've kind of, 
I've made a big mistake. I went running as far as I could from home. I told my dad, I, I wish he was dead, and, and now I've got nothing, and I'm eating this slop, and that's kind of the bottom for him. I think all of us in our lives, we've hit a bottom. We've hit the pig slop, Whether whatever woke us up. For this uh, son, it was the pig slop. It was like, man, I'm sick of eating this. You ever get to that place in your life where I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired? For a lot of men in the room, it's like, oh, there was a point, there was a year, or maybe that year is this year for some of you, but like, I know I got to stop being a child and I got to act like a man. There was that moment, and for this kid, that's when it happened. For this son, this is when it happened. Verse 17 says, he came to his senses. He kind of woke up. It, it, I think if you looked at it in the Greek, the, the original meaning here, he came to himself. We think back to that, some of us who, who kind of lived wild years, some of you who are living that right now, you, you weren't yourself. You were some other version of yourself. And, and he came to his senses that we weren't living in our calling and identity that God had given us, but we were living in some like fleshly version of ourself that was just living wildly. Well, he gets to that place and he decides, I'm going to go back home. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm going to go back home and maybe, just maybe, I'm not going to go and live in the house, but maybe my dad will just hire me on. Maybe he'll let me do something around the house and, and, and I'll be able to provide for my needs. And see what's happened in this season of his life as he begins really act three of the long, what I'm calling the long road back home in which he has to swallow his pride, he, he repents. He repents. He, if you look in the text, it says, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against my father, too. I've sinned against God, and I've sinned against my dad. And he begins to repent. He, he begins to swallow his pride that I've made a mistake. I've been running. And he says, I'm going to go home. But as he's going home, he thinks that he's not even worthy to be a hired hand for his father. And this is what shame is. He, he has shame on his life. Guilt says, I messed up. Shame says, I am a mess up. Uh, guilt says, you know, I, I shouldn't have said that. Guilt says, I, I'm full of, of anger in me. Uh, guilt uh, or shame says that. It, sh- it says, this is who I am. It's not just something I've done. I've just not made mistakes. I am a mistake. And he's got this shame all over him from the, the life he's lived, the things he's done, the mistakes he's made. And he begins this road back home, regretting so many things in his life, but also repenting. Anybody ever been in that place where it's like you hit the bottom and I'm trying to work my way back home, but I've still got the stench of the pig slop on me? I'm still working through a lot of things. I'm working through regrets. I'm, working, I'm trying to repent, but then I'm still processing a lot of shame in my life. And, and as he begins to go home, we're going to move into Act chapter, I keep wanting to say Act chapter 4. Act 4, I'm just kind of using that to kind of guide us through the story. And we move into Act 4, and I believe it's a picture of the Father. And that's where I want to really dig in with you today. Let's look at the picture that we need of the Father. Because I think as we look through these, a lot of us, we don't have this picture of our Heavenly Father. Because of the Father we had, because of His shortcomings, because of the mistakes, because of His absence or His presence, we've got a different picture of the Father. But let's read through verse uh, 19, starting with verse 19. Let's read there, and then we're going to work through um, and talk through the text. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Don't even call me your son. Uh, Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. He came to his senses. 
But while he was still a long way off, don't miss that, he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And the son said to to him, to his dad now, he said it to God previously in the text, and now he's saying it face to face with his dad. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Uh, But the father said to his son, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And um, uh, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. There's really three specific things that I think out of this text that we can't afford to miss. We can get, we get pictures of, of our loving father from Genesis to Revelation in our Bible, right? So we can get them all over the place. And if you ever wonder what the picture of the father is, we have it fully in Jesus Christ. So all of how we view who the father is is through the lens of Jesus Christ. But I think we see it right here as Jesus is telling this parable through uh, the father in the story. What do we see here? Well, one, we see that the Father's love never wavers. The Father's love never wavers. Just because you left, just because the Son left and ran off, the Father didn't leave. His love never changed for you. And when we are running, we begin to take on all these lies that the Father doesn't love us anymore. That we can't be accepted. We'll never be, he'll never accept us again. We begin to take on all these lies and these false narratives in our head that maybe it's not the same. And, and, and I think we've got, we can't afford to miss this, that the Father's love never wavers in our life. Uh, so many uh, adults that I come across ha- are struggling through abandonment in their lives because a father abandoned them when they were young, uh, because they lost their father. And, and even though their father didn't abandon them, they feel abandoned. Their father worked a lot, and so they feel abandoned, even though he was trying to do his best to, to provide for the family, but he, but he felt abandoned. And a lot of people have the pain of abandonment, and they've got the receipts to prove it. But I, I, I want to encourage you today, no matter what you've been through your life, whether a, a spouse stopped loving you, or, or, or a father, or a mom left you, or a grandfather left you, the Father's love, your Heavenly Father, His love has never wavered in your life. Not once, not for one minute, not for one second. The scriptures tell us that he will never leave us. He won't forsake us. Psalm 103 says this, verse 17. It says, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. Y'all remember the old movie Sandlot? Anybody see the movie Sandlot? I love that movie. It's like a good childhood favorite for me. And there's this one moment uh, in, in the movie in which they say, forever. It's in slow motion. Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. So I want to ask you a question. I want you to respond with the Sandlot response, even if you've never seen it before. Like, how long will God love you? Forever. What about when I've messed up and I've run away and I've spent his inheritance and I said, I wish you were dead. You don't exist. What will God say? I'll love you forever. He loves you forever. From everlasting to everlasting, the steadfast love of the Lord. And I just, I have to ask you the question, is that the picture you have of the Father, of your heavenly Father? Because without even realizing it, maybe we work through some abandonment things in our life. We're trying to work through it. 
but we'll say things. And I want, I want to speak to some couples today. I want to speak to some kids. I want to speak to some teenagers uh, watching online who uh, maybe at times we want to slam the door and walk away or we threaten, hey, I'm going to leave you. I'm not going to come back. And, and what we do is we actually sting that abandonment that was passed on maybe in a previous time. And now we're passing that on and it stings deep. And so I want to encourage everybody, don't don't use leaving as a threat, as if that's going to make things better. We've got to begin to gracefully act in our marriages, and our relationships, that, that that's what's going to bring us closer together is the grace of God. The picture of the Father that we have is His love doesn't waver. Even when you've done me wrong, my love doesn't waver. Because here's the deal. If we're going to give a picture of the Father to our kids and, and to our spouses and to our coworkers and to our siblings, if we're going to give a picture of the Father, right, then we can't waver in our love either. And, and so many of us, we're in a cancel culture right now. You did me wrong, you burnt me, and you're canceled. You're done. I'm not, no, no, that's not, the, that's not a picture of the Heavenly Father that we're seeing in culture. That, that's not a picture of who the church should be. We, we must never waver in our love. Do you have that picture of the Father? And if we're going to live that out, if we're going to live that picture, then we can't waver in our love. The second thing that we see in the text is that the father runs towards his son. This is a powerful one. I, I think so many of us, when, <clears throat> when we've run, when we've made mistakes, and we're kind of living wildly, and we're far off, far off from God. We, we, we're thinking through, we want to swallow our pride, we want to come back home, but we know that road is long. And we imagine what our father is going to do, what he's going to act like. And for so many of us, when we've messed up, we don't think about what our heavenly father does. We think about how our how our dad made us feel, what our father did to us. And, that, and that's not the picture. The, uh, the father that we see in Luke chapter 15, which is a reflection of how God feels towards us and how he treats us, he's not sitting on the porch tapping his toe, angrily waiting. He, he's not waiting for the perfect moment to say, I told you so. Did you learn your lesson this time? He, he's not looking for that perfect moment. He's not coming to beat or to strike down. No, no, no. While you're still a far way off, he is running towards his son. Not once he gets it all together. Not once he gets his act together. No, no, no. While he's still a mess and he smells like the pig slop that he's been living in. While he's still got all kinds of baggage with him from his wild living. While his dad's still stinging a bit from him running and saying, I wish you were dead. His father is running towards him. Psalm 23, you've probably heard it before. Psalm 23, 6 in the New Living Translation says it like this. Surely your goodness and your unfailing, your constant love, God, will pursue me. Some translations say follow, but it could be translated pursue or, or chasing after me. His goodness and his unfailing love will chase after you and pursue you. So I tell people all the time, when they first get the seed of faith, they're like, yeah, I think I think Jesus might love me. And, and I just say, here's the deal. That seed's already planted there. You have no, like, you should just stop running now because his love is never going to stop chasing after and pursuing you. You're, you're just going to have a lot of regret and mistakes between here and when you decide to swallow your pride and come back home. 
And so I want to speak to somebody online. I want to speak to somebody in the room. Hey, there, there, there could be another 10 years after this, but his love is going to chase you down. His love is going to pursue you. And then you're just going to have a lot of regret and a lot of stink of slop and mistakes that you've made. And you can just come home now. You can just come home to the Father now. But for so many of us, this isn't the picture we have of the Father. We just have a picture of an angry Father. Father with arms crossed. But this picture is, is, is vivid for us today, but it's, it was even more vivid for them um, at that time. Let me, let me tell you a funny story. I didn't tell this in the first service, so you get a little bonus here. Um, when I was in high school, uh, me and some buddies, we did this thing. Kids don't ever do what I'm about to say, right? I feel like I could share one of those stories every week. Kids don't ever do what I'm about to say. But we pulled one of these, and, I'm, and if you're a teenager in this room, you better not do this. You'll have a, a conference with Pastor Kyle if you do this, okay? Uh, <laughs> uh, when I was a teenager, uh, we did this thing, and some of the adults will, will know this, how this rolls, um, where I said I would spend the night at Jimmy's house, and Jimmy said he would spend the night at Scott's house, and Scott said he would stay the night at my house. No, none of you parents know what I'm talking about. So we played that game. Uh, problem was, and then we ended up staying at a completely different house where there was no parental supervision, okay, when I was in high school. Uh, and so we were there, and we thought we were good. Um, but turns out one of our moms uh, works for the CIA, or at least we think she does, and we didn't know. Um, and so she was covert operations, and she found us. She knew the house we were in, but they didn't say anything the whole night. Well, the next day, we're doing some volunteering uh, at, at Special Olympics all day, and we all begin throughout the morning, begin to get calls from our parents that says, hey, um, after you're done, they're super calm, super chill. Hey, when you're done, uh, meet me at Jimmy's house. And I'm like, do what? And then I get that call, and then Jimmy gets that call, and then Scott gets that call, and Justin gets that call, and we're all getting this call that we all need to meet at Jimmy's house, and we're like, oh my gosh, we're in trouble. So we start planning our escape to Mexico. We're like, how many, <laughs> how much money do you have in your bank account? How much money do you have? And we are planning, we are going to flee the country, the dumbest, like this teenage idea is right here. We're going to flee the country. We're going to get out of here, get far away from our parents. Well, we ended up um, going there, and we were all scared to death, and they played it super hard, and and they got onto us, and we were all grounded, and we got in trouble. Um, but turns out, years later, our parents were laughing and having a good time. They thought it was hilarious uh, what was taking, taking place that they tried. But we were so afraid to go home. We were so afraid to come because we thought we were going to be grounded forever. They were going to take our cars, and we did. We got in trouble. We should have gotten some consequences. But it was not anything like I thought it would be. And so many of us, the reason that we are afraid to come home is shame is because of the bad picture we have of what we think the Father's going to do. Shame is a powerful demotivator. It'll keep you from following in the destiny and calling that God has for you, and it'll lie to you and tell you that he doesn't love you, that he doesn't care for you. And here's the picture we have of the Father, of one who's not sitting there with his arms crossed, but he's running towards a son. He's running towards a son. At that time, uh, men would wear a long kind of man skirt, a long like dress, a lo- what's like a, an overshirt uh, called a tunic. And it would go all the way to the floor. And, and most of the time it would be long sleeve too. They'd wear this. And, and it was really shameful to actually, uh, specifically with women, but with men too, if you showed your legs. And the higher you up were, were up in society, you didn't show your legs. And so their legs would be pretty pale. And so you, you didn't show your legs. Even now in Middle Eastern uh, countries, certain countries you go to, they don't show. I mean, you've seen that. They wear very long kind of tunics over the top. And, and so what, the sun, is he's still a far way off, still with the, the smell of the sewage of the pig um, slop, 
that the father picks up. He would have to, unless he was going to trip. Guys probably don't know this, but women, if you're in a dress or a skirt or something, you try to run in it, you're going to trip. You can't run very fast. And so the father would have to pick up his tunic. He'd have to raise it and show his legs, which was considered shameful. And this picture that we have of the father as he lifts up his tunic, his manskirt, and he is running towards his son as fast as he can, he is taking the shame upon himself. He is, his son is seeing dad's willing to be shamed so that I don't feel ashamed anymore. And something begins to happen while he's still a far way off. And some people that are far off right now are wondering, how is this shame? How is my regret? How is this identity stuff I'm struggling with? How is that going to fall off? Just start walking home. And you're going to see a clearer and clearer picture of the father. That as closer you get home and that shame begins to come off. He is running to you as, as much as you smell from the life you've been living. He is running towards you. This is the picture we got to have of the Father, that he is running towards us. And if we're going to give that picture of the Father to others, then we need to run after those who are far from home. And I want to speak to some people who are spiritual today. Some people who say, yeah, once you get cleaned up a bit, then you can come in the church. No, no, we can be friends. We can go to coffee, but you've got to get these things right in your life. No, that's not the picture we have of the Father. The picture we have is to run after those who are far from home. Still with the stench of death and what he's been running, the life he's been living. No, it's still there, but he is running after those. What would it look like for us as men, as women, as students to run after those that are far from home, that are running from God, thinking that, that the, the inheritance is going to make them happy and they're just living selfishly? And God has a, 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 a greater hope and purpose for their life. And it's our responsibility as the church to give them a picture of the Father. The third and, and final thing that I, can't, I think that we can't afford to miss here in this text is that the Father has the best plan for His Son. The, the Son's coming back and He's like, maybe Dad will just hire me on. Maybe I can keep His pigs or watch His cattle or wash His car. And that's not what we see of the Father. The Father has the best plan for the Son. If you go back to the text, you see that he didn't say he's yelling. He's far off, and he's yelling back to the people who are, hey, quick, bring, not the robe, bring the best robe. Bring the best robe. Put sandals on his feet, and, and this ring thing was a big deal. He says, come, Put a ring on his finger because he's not a servant. He's not just a higher hand. No, no. He's got the family ring on. He's a son. She's a daughter. Come on home. And then, and then he says, you know, even more than that, don't, don't just bring a, kill a calf. No, no. No, no, kill the fat one. Kill us the fat one. We're about to eat. We're about to party. Son, you think you've been partying while you've been running? No, we're about to throw a real feast. We're about to throw a real... You haven't been eating good where you've come from, but the, the feast is plenty where you're coming to. At my house, there's plenty. And the picture we have of the Father here is He has the best planned for us. Oftentimes, folks will quote and receive a scripture. It's one of their favorites in the scriptures. Uh, is Jeremiah 29, 11. Many of you have heard it before. But uh, very few of us probably actually know the context of, of what it's about here. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. 
And, and, and we may not, um, we may hear that, and we're like, oh, that's great, yeah, I'd love that. Well, the context of this is people of Israel are in split kingdoms, and they've been dominated for decades, generations. They've been dominated by the Babylonian Empire and the Egyptian Empire. They've been in captivity, and they've been exiled, and it's been generations of just pain and anguish. Things have been rough. And then there was this false prophet that came along, comes along, and his name's Hananiah, and he comes to the people of Israel, and he's a false prophet, but he, here's what he tells them what they want to hear. He says, hey, everything's going to be better. You're like, God's going to break all this stuff, and things are going to be super simple, and you're going to go back, and you're going to be free, and everything's going to be awesome. And they receive that, and a lot of times we'll receive the word we want to hear and not the word we actually need to hear which is what Jeremiah came and brought to them. He's like, I hate to be a bearer of bad news, uh, but God's not about to set you free right now. You're actually going to be in another 70 years of captivity. Spoiler alert. Another 70 years of, of captivity. This battle's not over, but, but I know the plans that I have for you is what God says to them. Even if 2020 continues to be terrible, we still have a hope Amen. and we still have a future right? That may not be what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear today, that God still has the best plan for you. School may look a little bit different in the fall. Life may continue to look a little different for the next year or two or 20 or 100. I don't know. We may not be out of this for a little bit, but God has plans, and they are good plans. He has the best plan for you. And in this season, whatever it looks like, he wants to give you a hope and a future. But for so many of us, that's, that's not the picture we have of the Father. Our, our dads were selfish, or we just got the leftovers, and maybe the shame on us is lying to us, and maybe our fathers had nothing to do with that. But God has the best plan for you. He's got a hope and a future plan for you that's greater than your wildest imagination. And we need to receive the picture we have of the Father here. None of our dads, uh, they've all tried to do their best, many of them. But, but our father gave us all. He gave everything to show us how much he loves us. Jesus didn't just talk about it. It wasn't empty promises from our father in heaven. No, no. He showed up. And he laid down his life. That we might know that his love never wavers. Even in the face of crucifixion, his own death, his love doesn't waver. Even when we're afar off and we smell like pigs, he's running to us. And he still has good plans for us. He's ready to throw us a party. I want to speak to those watching online, those in the room who say, I've been far off. I had a bad picture of a father. Maybe you had a great picture of a father and you've just been running and said, I want my inheritance. You're dead to me. You don't exist. I just want to speak into you today. Come home. His love's never going to stop pursuing you. Come home. God loves you with a rich love, and I'm, I'm trying to speak hope and life into you today, that God has a hope and a future and the best plan for you. Will you stand with me? This band's going to lead us in a few minutes. Uh, there's going to be some folks at the crosses who would love to pray with you, would love to join with you in prayer. If you're online, just comment prayer, and somebody will reach out, wants to connect with you and pray with you today. Come on, let's bow our heads. Let's ask God if that's the picture we have of the Father today. God, we thank you 
for your perfection. God, we thank you for the example of Jesus, not just in word, but in deed, in giving his life, his death and resurrection. God, we know life. God, and I pray that we are, we are dealers in hope. We are communicators of hope. God, we are all over our city and in our family units and in our occupations and in our works, all over the place, God, that we are a picture of the Father, of love that will never waver of those that we will run after, God, that are far from you. God, in today that you have a hope and a future for every single person. I pray for the prodigal who's been running, God. I pray for the lost son who's carrying shame of mistakes that they've made, God, of a parent, of mistakes they've made, God. I, I pray that that begins to break off if they get a clear picture of the Father today. We thank you for who you've called us to be, God, and we come home to you. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. There's going to be, uh, they're going to lead us in this song. It speaks about who we are in Christ. Come on, let's worship and pray together today. Mm-hmm.